Our scripture reading for this morning is going to be a, a few verses in John 10. John 10, uh, 14 and 15, and then 27 through 30. This is God's holy and infallible word, and we listen together. I am, this is Jesus speaking, all these words. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So a doctrine for thriving in this year to come, and that doctrine is called Perseverance of the Saints. It's the final of five teachings in one of our church's confessions, the Canons of Dort. And you can find uh, the canons in the back section of the blue Psalter hymnal after all the hymns. Uh, and also there are, are two other confessions are back there, as well as three ecumenical creeds. Or you can go online and find the canons pretty easily too. We covered uh, the first four teachings of uh, the canons in evening sermons and services in October and November. So perseverance of the saints. When I think of that word perseverance, uh, one of the first things that come to mind is that to persevere in life is not easy. It can be a struggle. To you know, I think about those, I, I'm not as many years into my career as, as some of you, and I think of people persevering throughout the years, decades and decades, at work, at your job. I think of especially high school students, college students, graduate students, to persevere through coursework through exams at, to the end of each semester in school. Personally, what comes to mind in perseverance for me is, is persevering through like radiation and, and chemotherapy treatments um, that are really tough physically, emotionally, psychologically. And a year ago, January, I was still dealing with that from 2017. I think of persevering in our relationships, our friendships, you know, through everything that life brings us, through disagreements, and along those lines, I think, you know, to persevere in marriage as husband and wife, none of these things are easy to do. None of them are to be taken for granted. It can be hard to keep on keeping on in this life. Am I right? Sometimes you want to throw in the towel in certain situations. Life can be hard. And I, I look out at, at you this morning and you see one another and we know just how many brothers and sisters at Faith Church have experienced suffering. God has taken parents Spouses, children, 
siblings to be with him in heaven. Cancer and other illnesses have caused hardships. You know, we would be here for a very, very long time if we were to count our many blessings. Hours and hours. But we've also got troubles. What about those? How do we persevere through it all? And, and, and then it makes me think, you know, how about, what about what's most important? What about persevering in our walk with the Lord to the end? Until Jesus returns on the clouds or first calls us home. Do you, have you ever wondered, will I make it to that day before the struggles of this world pull me down? Will I persevere? Because believers can go through periods of doubt. Believers can go through dark times. Our forefathers and foremothers uh, had a special phrase that they would talk about stuff related to this. They would talk about the dark night of the soul that believers go through. And you can kind of imagine what that is. Psalm 42 is actually a very good picture of that. Um, uh, you know, we think of the persistence of sin in our lives, and we think of persisting evil in our world that never seems to end, maybe persisting loneliness in your life, uh, people whose, you know, dreams just aren't panning out. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, this this such positive statement, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Maybe you've thought before, though, you know, I'm sick of the race. I'd rather just close my eyes and rest. I'm, I'm tired of the struggle of life, I can't press forward anymore. And if, if that's ever been you, then this sermon is for you today. The biblical teaching we're focusing on today was most famously articulated at the Synod of Dort. And that's an international, that was an international church gathering, possibly the greatest church meeting since the early church. I'm sorry, we're, well, that's fine. Never mind, Al, that's good. Um, the delegates met in Dortrecht, the Netherlands, in 1618-19. And the Senate is best known for giving a response to attacks against the church by followers of a pastor, uh, professor by the name of Jacob Arminius. And they divided up into five points their thoughts, uh, their, their attack. So it's a point, and the canons of Dort have five points, and so it's a point point response to this Arminian attack. That's what the canons of Dort are. And over the years, the points have been summarized and remembered affectionately with the acronym TULIP. And now we're in the 400th anniversary of the canons, and that's why we've been reviewing TULIP. And this final one I, I saved for today uh, because I thought it would be very appropriate for us uh, to think about near the beginning of a new year. Sometimes, uh, you might have heard the canons of Dort referred to as the five points of Calvinism. And that's really not quite right. But we could say that these five points summarize the Reformed view of salvation. 
as one pastor put it, uh, Reformed people look at Scripture and they want to say, and they see Scripture saying that salvation is by God's sovereign grace. Salvation is of God completely. He thought it up. He carried it out. And today, the last main point tells us that he carried and carries our salvation through to completion. What the, the verses in, in John 10 uh, speak to this. Um, and in those verses in John 10, around that chapter, in it, tension is heating up between Jesus and the Pharisees, who were religious leaders of the day. They're arguing with Jesus, and in fact, they pick up stones to kill Jesus. And, 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 and so we see, even in this little passage, that Jesus was no stranger to suffering. He was no stranger to the temptation to throw in the towel. It was tough for him to persevere, too, like us. And in the midst of this, he speaks and he uses uh, the image in the Bible of the shepherd and the sheep. And that's to talk about himself, to talk about God, and to talk about God's people. When he does that, and, and we read it, Jesus is building on and he's fulfilling Old Testament language, like Psalm 23 and tons of other places that talk about the sheep and the shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, which is exactly why the Pharisees were so angry with him. And for that sort of talk, they would ultimately have him crucified. Because clearly, God is the shepherd all throughout the Old Testament whenever that language is used. And Jesus is saying, that's me. He says in our text, God and me, we're one. And in John 10, he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Uh, this text is about Jesus' divinity, and therefore it's about his perfect care for his people. So perfect, we learn, that he will never lose any of them. And, and what that means is no one can tear you from God's care, friends. Satan tries his hardest with doubts, temptations, but God will not let you go. That's the heart of this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. We may have trouble. We may want to give up straining for the prize, but God will surely bring us home. Philippians 1.6 says something similar he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in the details of the canons at this point, we read about indwelling sin and temptations, which make it impossible for us to persevere if we're left to our own strength. And, and so... You feel weak sometimes. You think it's a struggle to persevere. You feel it can be so hard you can't go on. Well, yeah, you bet you do. And you bet I do. 
It is too hard. We can't make it on our own. We'd be goners on our own. But thankfully, we read uh, in the canons, but despite our weakness and inability, God, who having conferred grace, given grace, mercifully confirms and powerfully preserves us in that grace, even to the end. Now, I want to spend a little more time on this final thought and point, and that's how this perseverance works. What, talk about some, you know, what does this mean in our lives, practically speaking. Uh, one of the first things you might think of, it's like, okay, this is a, a great idea for a doctrine. Um, boy, super comforting. I see the Bible passages. But what about passages in Scripture that warn against falling away? And besides that, common experience seems to tell us that people do lose their salvation. Like, what about people who used to be in the church and drift off? That, that doesn't seem to put my salvation on as firm a footing as this doctrine would say. In fact, it would seem to speak against this doctrine. A couple, we don't have time to go into all various texts, but a couple of initial thoughts and a couple of um, answers this morning in the message. Um, when, when we think of people drifting away, like let's say people in the church, they're no longer attending a church, um, we have to ask, what are people who fall away falling away from? the church, or being a true Christian. Certainly from the church, if they're not here anymore, but not necessarily from being a Christian. Because the church has people in it who are not true Christians. And this has always been the case all throughout history. The Bible tells us that verbally professing faith in Christ, being baptized, whether you come to Christ when you're older and are baptized as an adult, or baptized as an infant, being on the rolls are not what ultimately make anybody a true Christian. It's about belonging to Jesus. It's about having a relationship with him. It's about believing on Jesus and wanting to live for Jesus. Those are the things that define a Christian. And so it's possible those who seem to have fallen away from the faith were, and this is very sad, but it's possible they were never really, truly believers. Now, we don't judge that as, as believers. Uh, we don't know someone's heart. And I'm not saying we should look at everyone in the church with suspicion and like, oh, is that person really a Christian? But what I'm saying is someone who has fallen away from the church is not evidence against this doctrine. Don't let that take away our assurance and your assurance. Also, what, what we may see and what does happen sometimes is someone has fallen away for a time and maybe even fallen very far, but not necessarily all the way. But if their profession and relationship with the Lord was real and they really belonged to the Lord God will not let them go. That's what the Bible teaches. There have been Christians who 
after a period, in even years and years of wandering from the church and having major doubts, being unable even to pray to God anymore. There have been Christians who have been through all that and have come through it and could see later on in their life how God kept them even to the end. The story of a Scottish pastor in the 1700s who once asked a woman on her deathbed about being ready to meet Jesus. And he was kind of exploring and, and helping give comfort to her near the end. And this teaching comes up. Uh, he says, the pastor said to her, but are you not afraid that you're going to slip through his fingers in the end? She said, but that's impossible because of what you've always told us, pastor. And he said, what is that? And she says that we are united to him, and so we're part of his body. I cannot slip through his fingers because I'm one of his fingers. And besides, she went on, Christ has paid too high a price for my redemption to leave me in Satan's hand. If I were to be lost, he would lose more than I. I would lose my salvation, but he would lose his glory because one of his sheep would be lost. As another pastor once put it, if God's people could lose their salvation, the Father's election would be ineffectual, Christ's interceding for us would be irrelevant, and the, the Spirit's sanctification, making us holy, would be impotent, powerless. Salvation would be destructible, and that's contrary to 1 Peter 1 three, four, and five. There's another important word that I'd like to share in all of this, and, um, and that's to say salvation, to say that salvation is by God's grace, as the doctrines of the canons explain, never means believers do nothing. And we've seen that all along in these Dort 400 messages. For example, our salvation happens because of God's decision. But that doesn't mean we're not called to believe. We are. And while we prioritize God's decision and work always, we also talk about us needing to make a decision for Christ. Absolutely. And here, too, persevering is God's work. But it doesn't mean then, well, we can be spiritual couch potatoes for the rest of our life knowing that we will be preserved, having that rock-solid assurance in life, in fact, inspires our persevering in the faith, as the Bible talks about. Persevering is actually a long, a lifelong activity on our part. A.W. Pink says, God does not deal with believers as unaccountable automatons, but as moral agents. And so, what that means is, our activity, we confess Christ as Savior, Romans 10, 9. We fight sin. We work on the fruits of the Spirit in our lives and getting rid of the bad fruit. To persevere means we actively use the means of grace, like reading, hearing, searching, meditating on, praying over, discussing Scripture. 
We examine ourselves partaking of the sacraments, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. We keep ourselves in the love of God, Jude 21. We fellowship in love with one another as the people of Christ, a body that moves and lives and worships and grows together, 1 John 3, 14 and Psalm 133. We make also our calling and election sure, 2 Peter 2, 10. And we have the power for all this persevering because of God's perseverance to accomplish salvation through the blood of Jesus. All of our persevering in the life of faith that the Bible calls us to, all of what I was just saying from Scripture, all that we're called to do, well, that can sometimes be tiring. There's no doubt about it. Wears you down. But... When you are worn down, when you experience that struggle of persevering in this year to come, own this doctrine and know that God will preserve you. He won't let you go. Nothing and no one, Jesus says with his own words, can snatch you out of his hand. You will make it. The saints comes from a word, the word for holy. The saints, God's holy ones in Jesus, will always come out on top. Not because of how great we are, not because of how strong our faith always is, but because of how great our God is and because Jesus persevered to the end to win the victory through the cross and through his resurrection. Depending on that assurance and that comfort empowers you and me to keep at it, to live for him, to tell others about God's amazing grace that never lets you go. And, and so I want to encourage you this morning to keep persevering until you see him in glory, knowing that even when it seems you can't carry on, he's carrying you, his precious lamb in his arms. Give God praise for a grace that will keep you and a, and a grace that will allow all of us in his power, because of his finished work, to thrive as children of God in 2019. May that be true for all of us, our homes, uh, those close to us, and for our church too, as we rest in that care and live for him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we, we thank you th this morning for your grace that um, we hear about and learn about in your word. Thank you, Lord, that though uh, we would not have come up with this or figured this out on our own, that you, um, you made a plan uh, to save people living in sin and born in sin. You, you sent Jesus uh, in the fullness of time after all those promises in the Old Testament to actually accomplish our salvation through his atoning death on the cross. Thank you too, Lord, that um, you work salvation in our hearts by faith through, uh, through your grace. And uh, in, in, that, in that work of grace in our hearts, uh, you will always keep us even to the end. Lord, in your work, make us active workers in your world and in your kingdom. Um, we want to give thanks to you. We want to serve you. We want to serve those around us. We want to do that 
uh, very much so in our church uh, in order to keep building up our church so that we can uh, receive as many people as you are calling to us to share the good news with them. Um, and we want to do it uh, wherever you call us, even in our homes, at work, every part of your kingdom, wherever we live. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, put it in our minds, put it in our hearts, uh, so we can serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.